BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, time to get in rhythm now for the actual NBA regular season. All 30 previews are in the books. Thanks so much for being a subscriber. You still got plenty of time to check those out, of course. Finished up with Kelly Eco of The Athletic to put the 30th one on vinyl for you. And that was a great one as well for the Houston Rockets. But now let's get through the whole season here. And we have our whole categories. We're basically going to do our award show, but for the season, trying to, for most of these awards, unless we say differently, this is just going to be who we think is going to deserve it at the end. We're not necessarily trying to read our media colleagues' minds and figure out what all the narratives are going to be and who they're going to vote for. This is basically predicting who we're going to vote for at the end of the year, uh, unless, of course, we specify. Otherwise, we'll go through with team predictions, champion, all that stuff. So full season preview here, a few categories of our own, all the major awards, etc. How are you feeling about this year just generally, Danny, before we get started? This was one of the more challenging predictions that I th- that I've dealt with. You know, this gets harder every year. Well, it uh, <laughs> this year is more difficult for a couple different reasons. I mean, like just to to get ahead of it, conference finalists and champion this year because some of the teams I like the best aren't particularly healthy right now and so it's like are you are you going to predict a Jamal Murray or Kawhi Leonard return before the playoffs are you really going to be comfortable with that and then also for me I mean I I wasn't available for most of the preseason so now that could be beneficial we'll see like with <laughs> signal versus noise whether that's um whether there's something there and it's more like my kind of concepts of these teams versus what they've shown so far and there have been times when the like preseason champions and teams that looked like they were in trouble defied those precursors that wouldn't surprise me if that happens this year so that part of it but for me it's more the bigger picture that like for a lot of the awards too I don't like there there isn't this like oh I totally this is the way it's going to go and part of that of course is complicated by the Kyrie Irving situation because I mean this would be a very an even more net centric podcast were that situation more cleanly resolved. I'm in agreement with you on this that it was a difficult prognosticating year. There wasn't that much turnover in the offseason either. So picking out who we expected to be disappointment or a surprise team or whatever, there just weren't that many of those. A lot of these teams, other than those three major injuries in the West with Clay, Kawhi, and Jamal Murray, we have a pretty damn good idea of what most of these teams are because we just saw them last year. You know, the Lakers had some big turnover. That, that will be interesting, uh, of course, to talk about. Uh, but yeah, especially with Kyrie so up in the air, there isn't necessarily that one dominant team. I would say that 
as I look at it right now, I wouldn't give any one team a greater than 25% chance of winning the championship, which is exciting for the NBA. And it will be exciting for this regular season to see if any teams can really emerge to be dominant, but we're not necessarily picking that right now. And also, I just, the other thing I'm really interested to see is this is our first normal regular season that we'll have had in two years. And so what difference does having a play-in tournament over a full 82-game season with guys being able to get at least more rest than they did last year, a little bit more preparation. Last year was like the ultimate regular season in terms of how regular season-y it was with just no preparation. Guys in and out of the lineup. And and last year was probably the least predictive regular season. There are so many injuries as well. Then there are a ton of injuries in the playoffs. So I don't think that this regular season will be as unpredictive as last regular season or the regular season before that because we had this huge hiatus and then the bubble was just something that was totally different uh, in terms of the ramp up and the setting and and the mental health aspects and all that so are we going to see some trends that have emerged of no dominant team since the last full regular season that we had is that going to continue or are things going to get back to normal in a little bit as kind of how we expect them it's hard to figure out what the trends are so i'm excited to see what's going to emerge over the course of this full regular season and the play-in and the the flattened lottery odds remember we haven't been dealing with that too much either that's only been around for one full regular season as well so how all this plays into the incentives and all that during the regular season is going to be fascinating to me yeah and a lot of that is going to depend on where the lines of division are like i mean it it, once you're out of contention for the play-in and the playoffs then generally speaking it's still better to lose than to win and so we could see we could see that push you know where those dividing lines are the higher the 10 line pushes in each of these conferences then that might shift a couple of dynamics i think the expectation is that in the west and the east there will be teams in that range um and then also i think there will be a continuation to some extent of something that we saw last year with i i use the raptors as an example here of the benefits of organizationally zigging when other people zag and i think that even though it didn't work out as beautifully as toronto could have you know they didn't get a top two pick and we'll see how yeah. scotty they, they got in the top four though which but they if got they'd, yeah if they'd kept trying they wouldn't have got that they wouldn't have gotten that and so i, I i'm I'm keeping an eye on that. I think that there there is a lot of push for what I certainly feel is an extremely limited return of making it into the play-in. And then, I mean, especially for me, because the teams that make the play-in have such a low chance of making some noise in the eight if they get there. So it's not even like, I mean, yeah, you can get the revenue of a couple playoff games, but you have, let's call it a one and two chance of getting there. And then you have a very low chance of getting in. But so I see this differently than Ted Leonsis sees this since then the Bulls front office and a few other teams, but that's uh, it, what we think about is matters to us, but also the way the teams approach this matters a lot too, because we're trying to predict the future. We're trying to see where these things go. Well, as you say that, let's get into, get into our West predictions here, because I would agree with you, maybe in the East, in the West, maybe maybe I wouldn't agree with you as far as just like getting in the play and kind of being worthless, just because I think there's so many good teams in the West and there might be teams that have guys coming back from injury and stuff. You know, sure. The Lakers were in the play in last year, and I think if Anthony Davis hadn't gotten hurt again against the Suns, maybe they would have still been in the NBA Finals. So I think if you're a team that really had championship-type aspirations or 55-win-type aspirations at the start of the year, yeah, then yeah, that, that's a fair That's a fair make. clarification to yeah. make. 
yeah, you know, if you're the Washington Wizards, no, I don't think it particularly matters whether you make the play-in or last year's Raptors who just, you know, we're not going to make any noise regardless of what happened. So, all right, let's uh, let's get into that Western Conference here. I will go through uh, my top four. Well, and I'll, I'll say at the outset, I did not do win. I know because you, you do that as a part of the X, as the part of the conversations with people. I didn't do win projections, but I did tiers. So we, that should line sure. up pretty closely. Yeah, yeah, you, you can uh, you can just weigh in here after I go through mine. Let's start with the Utah Jazz. They I project them to be the number one seed with 56 wins by two games over the Lakers. To be clear, I think that whoever the best team in the Western Conference is will have more than 56 wins. In fact, if you, I don't think there has ever been a Western Conference champion in my lifetime that's had 56 wins or, or fewer. And even last year, Utah would have gone over this. They were on pace to win 59, and they had the point differential of a 65-win team. So I've talked pretty amply. Again, you can go back and listen to all the previous stuff that we did about the rationale behind some of these regular season predictions but i i think i don't see what i mean nine wins worse than last year i didn't their health by the end of last year wasn't like so unbelievable uh so yeah i i have them as my number one uh in the in the west at least in the regular season with 56 wins and f- feel free to break in and comments on any of these teams as we go through if you have a big difference of opinion for me i do not there so uh la lakers 54 wins i think number two and Russell Westbrook has looked bad in the preseason. They got a couple of injuries already with Horton Tucker and Ariza that are not amazing. But the reality is the two biggest questions about the LA Lakers is how did LeBron James and Anthony Davis look? And I think they both look pretty good. So as long as those two guys are out there and playing well, the Lakers win at a 55-60 win pace. Like that's just what we've seen in the two years of their pairing. And I don't think that having Russell Westbrook there is going to torpedo them in the regular season. And they, they've got still enough quality players maybe those skew more towards the offensive side of the ledger than defensive and maybe they're now going to play more of these centers because they don't have as much depth at forward i could see all that happening and i could still see a way that they would disappoint this year i don't think they're going to be an unbelievable juggernaut but i'm just a believer in lebron and ad if those guys are healthy and they they look good so far i I think these guys are, are the number two seed to me I have the Lakers in in so I have the Jazz in a tier by themselves. I think that they're partially because you yeah, think th- about this, a re- this is regular season regular only, right? regular season kind of like win expectations, not team quality. And pu- they have consistent home court advantage. They're a very well constructed. I mean, Gobert has stayed really healthy. He is central to their defense. They have different offensive focal points, and also because. While I think the Suns are set up to be a very good regular season team again, and they're they're firmly in this tier two with me, they were extraordinarily healthy last year. And we already know that Sharj is going to be out, but that's, you know, he was an important part, I thought, of what they did in the regular season last year. The fact that they defended so well when Aiton was off the floor was, you know, that was going to be hard to sustain anyway, but it's even harder to sustain without any, yeah, they brought in JaVale. But the idea that, you know, that the Suns were going to be that healthy again, they can be a really good team but they're doing that so yeah i have the sun i have but we'll get into i have more teams than just those the suns and the lakers in this tier okay yeah suns are are number three c in the conference to me 51 wins uh mavs and Golden State tied at 49 for the 4-5. And Golden State, I originally predicted 47. They've looked very good to me in the preseason. Granted, that's because they have remained healthy, but it seems like they are really going to try and hit the ground running as far as regular season wins. They're serious about playing Draymond Green with a, at center a fair amount. Guys like Porter and Bielitzo look like they're adding something as well. Jordan Poole looks like he's taken a major step forward to provide that secondary score that they need and potentially a score on the second unit. 
Andre Iguodala even looks pretty spry. So they just have better depth than they've had. And more importantly, they just have smarter players who are better shooters. Porter, Bielitsa, and Iguodala. And maybe not all those guys can be healthy at once. But I think they've got plenty of guys who can knock down shots on this team. Everyone is comfortable playing in their read and react system. I think they're going to be really good offensively. If they're going to play Bielitsa at center a lot, maybe their defense won't be as good as I think it is. Uh, James Wiseman and Kaminga being out to start the year is probably actually a good thing for them as far as winning games. And so, yeah, I bumped them. If I had them with 47 wins to go up to 49, they've made it through preseason without any injuries that are really going to affect them this season. Steph Curry looks awesome as well. That was another thing. Maybe if he just was like kind of taking some time to ramp up, but he had 40 in the last preseason game in like 30 minutes. So I, I, I'm a believer in these guys. I think their offense will be really, really good this year. And so that, that's why I bumped them up a little bit. I have the Warriors in this group as well. And then I have one more team. I do not have the Mavericks here. A lot of that is being spooked by Jason Kidd. But I, I think Luke is going to be awesome. Of course, he will come up later. But the team that I do yeah, have... Porzingis here, has looked better in mm-hmm. preseason, which is, uh, it makes me feel okay-ish yeah. about it. But yes, obviously, uh, Jason Kidd mm-hmm. is a concern. And then the other the other team I have here is the Denver Nuggets. They, I, I am concerned about the lack of Jamal Murray, but Jokic is unbelievable. They have the other, the other team with a consistent home court advantage. And you brought up the Warriors, and I think that the Warriors in, are particularly dispositive, which is amazing when you consider where they were, of the idea of can you get 48 good minutes from your guys? And the Warriors are going to have some trouble with that at the beginning of the year before Clay Thompson gets back. But the Nuggets, I think they have these limitations, which came to the forefront during their series with the Blazers when they were so shorthanded. But I think of those primarily primarily for me as more of like playoff problems when you face better opponents and you have scouting and you're playing the same teams so you can kind of get used to that you know if, when the team is coming into Denver and they're tired and they're doing all that I, I think the Nuggets are going to be totally fine and then if and when they get Jamal back then they can be they can be more of a house of fire I also think there's some internal improvement there so I think I'm a little higher on the Nuggets than the average person but I have them I kind of at the bottom of this group no that makes sense yeah I have, I have Denver with 48 wins so yeah I mean I've got six teams with 48 or more wins in the West. Clippers at 46 and Portland at 44. I would put in another group. I guess if you're doing tiers, I'd have Utah, Lakers, Phoenix in the top, Dallas, Golden State, Denver in the next one, and then Clippers, Portland in the next one. Now, what happens with Kawhi and him coming back is obviously a question there. Uh, I still probably more of a believer in the Clippers than some people are. Like I'm still going over with them. But uh, Portland, I actually downgraded by a win just seeing some of their struggles defensively in preseason. It just seems like they're really having some issues adjusting to Chauncey Billups' system. Chauncey Billups is already breaking out the, hey, you got to try harder. You got to execute it. So it it seems like there might be a little bit of growing pains there to start off. And they're just giving up a crap load of threes with this new system and especially a lot of corner threes. So we'll see. I'm not particularly enthused about their season right now, uh, but we'll see. And then, so that's the top eight. Uh, Memphis is nine for me at 41 i have i will say this i have memphis nine in a tier by themselves both upper and lower because i just i don't think they're quite as talented as the the blazers and the clippers and those type teams but i also trust them a whole hell of a lot more than i trust the the teams below them and i mean both i think they're well coached i also think that having jaron jackson i think that john morant will have a nice year so it's like they're in this unusual spot where it's like I feel really, I feel relatively good about them, but still like, are they thrilled with the nine seed? I have no damn idea. 
Yeah, that's going to be an interesting question. And definitely they, they were the nine seed last year and they made it to the playoffs. And so I think they could go in and win. Potentially, they are very difficult to play against. We'll see if that changes a little bit with, with Balanchunas gone. But yeah, I agree with you. I have Memphis at 41 and then it's three wins on top of them to Portland at 44 and four below them down to New Orleans at 37. I've downgraded New Orleans by two victories due to the Zion Williamson news that he's, as of middle of last week, had another two, two and a half weeks before he was even going to reach the next age. He just started running last week. So my guess would be it's going to be a month at least before he plays from last week. And also doesn't have the greatest track record of being in shape when he can't really work out and do cardio. So, and Zion actually, to me, if he had been healthy and training all off season, would have been a potential most improved candidate and a huge breakout guy. And now I just, we have no idea what we're going to get from him. I think he could have a disappointing season. Well, and just, yeah. Also the Pelicans, their disaster potential goes even higher because the margin, the margins were tight in the Western conference and, um, and it's going to be even harder because they're going to start with this, you know, started a little bit of a disadvantage and David Griffin, you know, I thought, I thought one of the bets that he made was they got guys that were more complimentary offensive players, you know, Devonte Graham as the guy running the show, not exactly his great thing. If as a, as a, somebody who can play alongside and catch and shoot and everything else, it looks a little bit better. And so now they're going to start the year with a couple of weeks, maybe even a little bit more of those guys having to do it in order for the Pelicans to stay afloat. And when you consider the heat that David Griffin has to be facing it's like this could get off the rails quickly and that'll i'll, I'll mention that a little bit later man it is crazy to think that i've been working with helix sleep since 2015 and i think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners if you've never heard it before that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom and there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one size fits all they found the one formula the one mattress that was going to work for everyone my then girlfriend now wife and i ordered that mattress we ended up having to return it because hey guess what not everyone is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique mattresses everybody sleeps differently and helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Well, um, I'll say right now that I have, so after the Grizzlies, they're nine by themselves. I have the Wolves, the Spurs, the Pelicans, and the Kings in a tier all together. 
I don't really love any of them. I do think I think it's very possible that one or more of those teams will push beyond this, but I don't know who it is, so they all go together. No, I, I think you're right there. I, I have New Orleans with 37, Minnesota 35, Sacramento 35, and San Antonio 33. And I think any of so that's basically four teams vying for the all important tenth seed. And I guess I still have New Orleans winning that, but I I wouldn't give them greater than a 50 percent chance. I think all those teams would have a legitimate shot, and I think that that tenth seed is going to be pretty ugly looking territory. And may, maybe there'll be some separation in this group where some of the teams stop trying, and another one of the teams is still pushings and they can rack up some wins against bad teams at the end of the year who've kind of given up and then uh houston 26 wins wait no that's wrong sorry uh i because i had the i had their under 24 wins for houston and 22 for okc rounding things out uh how about your predictions for the west playoffs who are your final four and conference champions oh i final two because they have half yeah sorry west entrance in the final four I went with so this is this is hard for me when you consider um like that I'm not as sold on the top teams as being full strength. I have this I have the Jazz and Suns number two. I ended up going with the Lakers and Nuggets as my Western Conference finalists. And um I have the Lakers the Lakers winning that series um in, in seven, but I think that I, I tr I trust them a little bit more in that circumstance. Obviously Kawhi is a huge caveat here. I do have Utah as the one seed and LA and Phoenix as the two three. The the Lakers and Phoenix as the two three. I do think the Lakers and the Suns would be my projections for the two best playoff teams, though. And so acknowledging that I don't think that my version of the seeding is going to come exactly true. I will just pick the Lakers and Suns in the conference championship just because I think those are the two best playoff teams. But yeah, this is gonna really be matchup roulette here. How would you but just matchup independent, how would you rank the West? teams do a west power rankings in terms of how good you expect them to be come playoff time so i would actually seriously can i'm a believer in the nuggets if i if you could grant me that jamal was going to be 100 but you can't so i think i'd have the lakers one then probably phoenix two based on the idea that it's more likely that they're going to be healthy because they don't have somebody with a lingering like the, with an injury i think they just match i mean they match up great against denver sure and they're, we well, and, they're well co- and, and also the suns don't have they don't have a like the gaping holes to attack in this way that's that you know denver's pick and roll defense is always going to have some challenges there's there's no real way around that and so i i think that's that's totally fair so i'd have them so i'd go lakers suns probably nuggets jazz but those two those ones are, are there and then I, I would put the jazz over the nuggets but would you I put think, the but would you put the Warriors over either of them? Ooh, yeah. I, well, or the Clippers too. The Clippers. Sure. I, I mean, if you just and I was not necessarily even assume that Kawhi's me 100, percent but if you just take what that Clippers team was last year, being able to play small and then just throw in a, a Kawhi who's able to provide some scoring and some defense and some shooting, just a, as another solid player that they have. Now Kawhi is Kawhi. Like he's not going to be kind of taking it easy. He's going to go out there and be trying to take over, and maybe that just won't work. Um, uh, and we have no idea if he's even coming back. Like, I, I have a pretty good feeling. I mean, we know that Clay is going to return at some point unless he has a setback. I think Jamal, you'll see him in, in the March time frame, it seems like. Uh, I think he will be playing for the Nuggets at, when the playoffs start. And Kawhi, I mean, there have been reports that, hey, it could be four to six weeks, four to six months because it was a, a partial tear and he could be back uh, by the end of the year. And he said he's 
did the contract extension in part so that he could play at the end of the year so i'm gonna try and be optimistic and say that clay jamal and Kawhi are all playing for their teams and we're just gonna get somewhat diminished versions of those guys so i do just generally i like the versatility that golden state and the clippers can play with more than denver probably more than dallas because porzingis is always going to be a little bit of a target defensively uh, just the the teams that can't play different styles defensively you know i'm not as into them but i also yeah golden state and the clippers have better styles that they can play maybe but i don't know that their talent is better than dallas or denver phoenix to me is maybe doesn't have the top end talent but they have a ton of depth and they have a little bit more versatility of style and they're just a team that it's really really hard to play any kind of conventional pick and roll defense against unless you have just a great center or just great on ball guys like the bucks do so i think either clippers or golden state i would have four or five the clippers though like i don't like their matchup against denver like if those two teams specifically match up i might still pick denver because the clippers just have no answers for Jokic. really just a, a total morass in there I, I would say between the those teams but i probably would have and then where does utah fit in as well is another question right <laughs> we haven't I mean, talked about them yet and donovan mitchell like if he takes another real step forward i think that's the biggest thing that can change where i have the jazz they do not have defensive versatility that is not a part of the team that this front office has constructed over the years it's not something that they really had the capacity to address in the offseason but it's not something that they addressed in any way shape or form yeah but but here let me ask you this though right like utah against denver and dallas right like i think utah against the clippers or utah against golden state teams that have a lot of defensive versatility i think that utah has challenged yeah yeah yeah. i mean now they just i just don't know what golden state's going to be defensively uh, and how what clay's going to look like and and how it's all going to work there but i do think they have some structural advantages against utah still but i think i'd pick utah to beat denver and i'd pick utah to beat dallas although and they and we think they'd have home court in both of those series which is i think it's close enough that that would matter no i think that's a good point and but but all those i mean i think any of those series denver dallas utah are gonna be just crazy offensive series because it's just teams that don't have a ton of defensive talent have to play a conventional style going against really really difficult to stop offense yeah i'm already excited for the west playoffs we're we're <laughs> yeah, well, six months away so and yeah well we know that's a million things are gonna happen to change. yeah wait till we see what all the new injuries are before we do that yeah of course uh, uh, but it, it, let's we'll just be happy that it, it can't be worse than last year that's <laughs> i feel feel confident in that that we're not going to have 10 all-stars out um so let's go to the eastern conference um i think the east to me the the stratification is a little clearer there in my opinion in some ways especially if we're thinking about it in the regular season lens do you agree with me i do yeah you got the top two brooklyn at 55 wins i lowered them actually down three i had them for 58 uh Kyrie, as i mentioned on the watfo that we did i think a less than 50 percent chance that he plays in home games this year or, or i guess plays at all now that they've made this decision to hold him out now when we get into our playoff predictions i still i mean i have brooklyn making it to the finals out of the east i think they still have like a the best chance even without Kyrie. but a big part of their championship equity for me acknowledges the possibility that he could come back and could play really well and then of course they're the overwhelming favorites again so uh 
it's kind of weird to say, hey, I think there's a less than 50% chance that he comes back and plays for these guys, but also say that if that does happen, then then they're really high chance of winning the championship. So again, I, I don't think anyone has a higher than 25% chance right now. Obviously, if Kyrie were healthy and playing right now, I would probably give the Nets more than 25% chance. Um, you know, Milwaukee, 54 wins. Th- that's your top tier as well? Yes. Um, then I've got actually a four-team morass in the three through six spots all between 48 and 47 wins i got atlanta with 48 philly with 48 we'll, we'll get to the latest on ben simmons when we do our news catch up tomorrow miami 47 boston 47 i like miami the best as a playoff team out of that group i would say tyler heroes look good in preseason and we'll see what boston ends up being they've they've been set back a little bit by covid diagnosis from jalen brown and al horford early on and th- those guys might not be quite ready to start the season yeah i'm interested to see what what ends up happening with those teams i I think actually Miami and Boston probably have the highest playoff upside of this group just because I think they can be really good defensively both of those teams and and I'll end with a ton of versatility as well but all these teams have question marks I think this could go any way really uh do you have all those teams in the same group or do you see it differently not in terms of the regular season no I actually have I have them in three different groups I have the Sixers by themselves then the Hawks and Celtics and then the Heat in the group below just as a regular season team I think that Miami's lack of depth maybe those guys that they they have kind of on the lower end of the rotation are better I, that's again they might be a team that was i don't know might have been hurt by me not seeing the preseason or maybe i'm just not seeing seeing their depth quite the same way i agree with you that i think they're a dangerous playoff team um and i think the celtics are generally kind of underappreciated they have a lot of functional depth they were brutalized last year by health and covid and all that type of stuff and so i think they're they're a better team like it, it's the idea that you know like that they can that they're in this they're firmly in this mix to me um, but Philly has the star talent. And also, like, I don't know what the hell is going to happen with Ben Simmons, but Joel Embiid was my permanent MVP last year. They have talent that fits well with him. They're reasonably well coached. And Daryl Morey's a good general manager. So I think the moves that they make during the season are unlikely to make them worse. So I think Philly's the best of them as a regular season team, as they were last year. Yeah, the Simmons thing, we'll see how that happens. He's supposedly practiced today. I don't know whether he's going to play on Wednesday. I would guess probably not, but it, he, you know, he practiced at least, right? He was he didn't come back and like an immediately injure his hamstring, but it's a lot, lot to navigate here so far with Philly. And I'm just really concerned about their point guard situation without Simmons, even just bringing the ball up the floor. They're a little bit limited. If they just had just some normal backup point guard guy, who could run a pick and roll a little bit and, and give you just some amount of dribbling, I think I would feel a little bit better about it. I still am not thinking they're going to get a ton from Simmons yet. Uh, we'll see whether Simmons like you know really tries it or not. But I, that situation was just so fucked. I, I couldn't put them above Atlanta or Miami uh, or Boston. Um, I lo- I might have considered putting Indiana in this tier if they were 100% healthy, but the news that TJ Warren and Karis LeVert are both out to start the season... I, I lowered them down from 45 to 44. Levert's going to miss at least the first four games. but uh, And then I have them tied at the seven seed with the Knicks, also 44 wins. They had a nice preseason. Their depth, I think, is going to look pretty good. Um, so uh, those, are, those are my top eight. And then I have a, I would say, Indiana and New York are maybe in a different tier for me. Any thoughts on those teams? I'm basically in the same boat. Uh, then I go down to the ninth seed, Chicago Bulls, 39 wins. The Bulls are and- back. <laughs> I also got Charlotte at 37, Washington 36, Toronto 34. I would put all four of those teams in the same group. Recall that my thinking on Toronto going under for them was just that they were 
they're not going to be they're not going to win like 37 games i think they'll either they'll be above that because they're playing well and so that's what kind of puts them in this tier for me or that they'll just shut it down towards the end if it's like hey we're really fighting for the 10th seed here at the end and so i i have them with fewer wins and i am very worried about their offense i think although they've had an encouraging preseason but i think they they might even have the highest upside of this group to me yeah i have them i actually have them as my nine seed but i agree i understand your your constraints there i just think i think they're going to be very good defensively the news that siakam is closer is very positive for me and they they have a lot of depth they're a well-run team they're an extremely well-coached team so i i actually think there's a chance that they're in the higher mix there and that to me like if they're if they're competing for the seven or eight seed then i think Masai feels differently about where they are but maybe he doesn't yeah. because maybe then there's there's still probably if if the best they're hoping for is the seven then you're they're not good enough to to mess no, with I, I think i think if they're have a, looking like they have a pretty good chance of getting a home play-in game either seven or eight i think they would push for that if it's like hey there's three teams that have a chance at the 10th seed here with two weeks to go then i think that they might not sure that's fine uh so i predicted my total number of wins predicted for the league is 1235 so that's five more than total. i think last year i was super high uh and i think just all of the covid and injuries and stuff just beat all these teams down uh, oh wait did we talk about how you order how, how you ordered the bottom did i'm um oh the bottom tier yeah I had no, real I was, trouble. Uh, with that, I was going to get to that next. Okay, but but yeah, we could talk about that. Yeah, who who's your bottom tier of teams? So it it's oh oh. So I was just thinking in the East. So um oh oh yeah, go ahead. So like I ended up with the Pistons over the Cavs over the Magic, but I don't feel great about it. It's mostly because I don't trust Orlando's offense. Um, I don't trust the Cavs anything, but um they I mean especially after the Nance trade, but. Yeah, I just think the Pistons are the best team in this group, and I, that was coming up when you and I did over-unders, when I did over-unders with Arturo. That I, I just think they're a better team than these other two. Not dramatically yeah. so. They're in the same tier, but... Yeah, yeah. I had Detroit 28 wins, Cleveland 26, Orlando 24, and I think that if I had to rank the offenses and defenses among these teams... I would say that Detroit's defense would be the best unit, probably followed by Orlando's defense. But I mean, Orlando is just so limited offensively. It's it's really pretty remarkable. Maybe some of these young guys can break out and it would be a nice story. But it also seems like this is a very, very rebuilding focus here under under Jamal Mosley in Orlando. So my bottom tier of teams in the league is just Orlando, Houston, and OKC, just because I think those are the only ones that are just not really trying throughout the entire season and are just totally in development load i think just, i have i have cleveland there too just because i don't think they're intending to be i think they're just not they're not yeah they're not really that much better than these other ones right i i think that's true but i, I there can at least be some intentionality to it. it intentionality can make somewhat of a difference with detroit and cleveland versus orlando okc and houston who are just in such rebuilding modes and early parts of the rebuilding mode uh, Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the Bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice 
heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside these things are amazingly durable i proposed my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us as well all right this is an interesting one championship contenders the teams that you think have a reasonable chance of winning the championship this year nets and bucks hard to argue against either of them being in the being in the mix and i i have i would probably think of both of them you know not knowing the health of the west teams probably above everyone in the east i mean the west sorry everyone in the west uh yeah, I, I would i would say I, I actually i don't know that i would say that if Kyrie were healthy i would put brooklyn above everyone else i would not have milwaukee above i i do not believe that i will go into the postseason saying i think milwaukee is a favorite in any series against any west team i don't think i will go into the postseason we'll see um and then i'd probably guess i'd have the lakers one of the west and they have they have have a real chance lakers see the hard thing for me with the suns and like once you get down here is like would i would i pick them over whoever wins the east assuming that somebody has to make it through you know like that's the the challenge there hmm well while, while you think about that brooklyn and milwaukee are my only two championship contenders in the east right now the Sixers can I, get there. I agree with you. The Sixers can get there, but there's too much uncertainty. Oh, and- I, I think... I would give Miami higher championship odds. I don't trust Miami's offense at all. No, but but they could make a move. Hero could take a step forward. They, they do have, you know, someone like Max Struess could be a shooter. Oladipo's going to come back. Maybe he'll give them something. I, Skolnick and I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I don't, I'm not counting on that. I said that, but as we're thinking about, hey, who who is a realistic chance at it? I think their defense could just be so good. Their style could be a problem. Bam could get better offensively. So I think they, they have enough guys that maybe it could work out. But, uh, and then in the- I will put Utah in that category still, particularly if they have the number one seed. Uh, they we, I agree they have a lot of structural issues and in, in their perimeter defense, but we also did not get to see this team healthy. And if we see them healthy, then it, it could be a different story. So I'm not ready to write them off completely. Dallas or Denver, I do not have in this group just due to their defense. I think they just cannot be. And you might say, hey, well, what about Utah? Well, Dallas and Denver don't have Rudy Gobert, at least to, to back that up. Those teams have maybe better other perimeter talent so i i don't know i get like i am i saying that dallas or denver can't beat some of these other west teams no they absolutely can in the right matchup and with the right health and all that i just i think dallas or denver's defense is too bad to win four series in a row at some I'm, t- I'm, at some I'm, point I'm they'll run into a matchup overall i'm sorry i'm fine with that 
Um, so I think Golden State could have a chance. I'll, I'll probably, if I'm going to throw Golden State in there, I'd probably go. Uh, the Lakers, obviously, Phoenix. And I will put the Clippers in there just because of Kawhi may, might come back. Uh, this is, again, this is a very difficult prognosticating year. And. Oh, so we should do the, uh, the East equivalent of the, the, the East side of the Final Four and our predicted champion. Yeah. So Brooklyn, I've got Brooklyn defeating Milwaukee. I would still favor fully healthy Brooklyn with no Kyrie over Milwaukee. Same. Uh, although Harden, Harden is a difficult piece. And granted, he was injured, but all of a sudden, Milwaukee started scoring against them last year as soon as James Harden came back. And he does really compromise that Nets defense, I think. Um, but also, like, I mean, Bruce Brown was dealing with injury. They had a lot, they had a lot of stuff going on at the same time. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a, a lot of issues, obviously. Um, I think Brooklyn... I'm just not sure exactly how how it's going to work, and what you know, Harden scoring is that still going to be something that's really going to work well, or is he kind of now just focused more on using his brain and, and passing? Um, and also, again, there's this non-zero chance that Kyrie is going to be back, so more than much more than non-zero, I would say. Uh, and then I got LA beating the Clippers, or I'm sorry, LA beating the Suns, the Lakers being the Suns in the West, and I got Brooklyn defeating the Lakers in the finals. But I really I don't feel particularly strongly about any of those right i don't think the lakers are just going to destroy the suns i don't think brooklyn is going to destroy milwaukee i don't think brooklyn would destroy the lakers if they played unless Kyrie were available i'm going to be looking at a pretty good playoffs here if there's a, a reasonable amount of health i'm optimistic as well uh, i have the nets as the most likely champion in no small part because i i think they have a reasonable shot at you know e- health equal and no Kyrie, and then i think they're to me significant favorites if Kyrie returns, I think I'm more positive that it's going to happen than you, though not dramatically more. And they're they're talented. I think that they also have they have more options this year than they did before. And so I think that will be not not that I love any of them. I don't think you know adding in Millsap and Lamarcus is going to dramatically change it. But at least they have more things there. And also like there's more time in an off season for all of these pieces to kind of understand to fit together, and they can see what they have. And Bruce Brown, you know, and and Nick Claxton and some of these other things. So I'm. I'm more I'm enjoying the very brief respite where I am a bigger Nets optimist than you because I feel like that will change at some point but I'm going to I'm going to relish it for this like three months or whatever (laughs) so MVP now we as we get into our awards a reminder as we said at the start of the show that this is who we are going we think we will end up picking for MVP at the end of the year my personal criteria is the player who most contributes to winning basketball games during this regular season and then a tiebreaker to who I believe is the best overall player uh, among these, if it is close at all. And so that can include your clutch performance, obviously, if the, if you just won a bunch of games, even if that's not sustainable, even if that's, that's not quote unquote who you are as a, a player, it's what you put down on paper during this season that we're talking about here. And top 10 players in the NBA was extremely difficult for us last year. The MVP race was looking like it was going to be extremely difficult last year before LeBron and Embiid got hurt and KD got hurt. So I have no idea who to pick. I do think that Kevin Durant is the best player in basketball right now. He's going to have more of a chance to show that with Kyrie Irving presumably missing time. You wonder about the health, his health. But there are major health questions, I would say, for at least my... For basically anyone except Luka and Jokic, probably, who are who are in this mix. So here are my... I think that there's a universe of seven guys that I think have a very decent chance of winning. Uh, so that's Steph Curry, Nikola Jokic, 
Joel Embiid, LeBron James, Luka Doncic, KD, and Giannis. So what is that? Yeah, that's seven. That's seven. Any anybody that you would include in that mix at all? Nope. I had those are my top five, and then the other two I think are totally reasonable. All right. So who, give me your top five here. You can go first. Five: Stephen Curry. Four: Nikola Jokic. Who I, I think the case for Jokic is very similar to what he did last year. It's just that you know he's he's incredibly impactful offensively, and he's remarkably durable. It's just that I think in most years we'll have somebody who has a better case be healthy long enough. And so my three is Luca. I think Luca, you know, in the idea about how we pick the MVP, his defensive limitations are less pronounced because he plays a different position. So I could see them being relatively similar offensively. And then it gets into this argument about positional value. It's easier to build a great, you know, build a good defense with Luca on your team than it is with Jokic. To Giannis, who I think if Giannis plays the full season, he has that kind of two-way ability, but I also think the, the Bucks could take their foot off the accelerator a teeny bit, and number one, Kevin Wayne Durant. Where'd you have LeBron? I didn't have him in my top five. I think they're gonna. I, I think that they're gonna take it a little easier with him during the regular season. Um, and I also I don't think of him as as important defensively. I, I think that for me, like he, you know, he doesn't. He de- we saw them succeed defensively without LeBron and AD last year, and so I think he's important offensively. But if I'm gonna come, you know, for me, like Steph you know, we saw that a little bit more clearly. So Durant, I mean, LeBron is in the same group to be sure. Like, I don't think he's like, he's six and he's trash, but I don't, I don't think of him as, as having as strong a case as the others. Yeah. I think if the Lakers play well, that it's going to be in large part due to him. Um, so the way I'm trying to kind of think about this is if everyone plays 70 games, who would I pick? And if everyone plays I, 70, yeah. but Jokic plays 80. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I think they might even be, be a little bit more judicious with him this year as well. So Joel Embiid, as you mentioned, permanent MVP last year. If he played the whole season and particularly with Ben Simmons kind of in and out potentially, and that's something where I think Embiid might end up being my number one because he is just such a massive regular season player. And he's definitely the best defensive player of this group by quite a large margin. But I do think Kevin Durant is just the best Oh, I will, I will push back on that with Giannis. I think Giannis is a wonderful answer. Yeah, I would say Embiid is more impactful. I expect Embiid to be more impactful during this regular season as a defensive player. I agree. In the playoffs, I would rather have Young. Um, so I'm going to go KD 1, LeBron 2, Steph Curry 3, Embiid 4, Luka 5, and Jokic 6, Giannis 7th. Giannis based on not playing that many games. Jokic, I am concerned that Denver's defense is going to slip some this year, and then he's just going to have such a huge that's going to catch up with him on defense over the course of of the regular season and he would not have been my pick last year if LeBron or Embiid had been healthy all season and I think actually even the biggest reason that I had him ahead of Curry was that he played more than Curry as well so I think there he had an unbelievable season last year but I think there were players who were playing as good as or better than him last year and and he won it based on quantity and well and and what are the odds that no one matches his quantity even close which is which was like the the odds that the odds of somebody like somebody getting there are relatively high, even if any individual player, Embiid most specifically, is pretty low. Yeah, but honestly, I would distribute. You know, if I'm putting KD number one, I would put like his odds at twenty percent and Jokic's down at like ten percent or something. You know, it's not. This is very very difficult to do, and I I, I can't wait to see who really emerges this season and what teams emerge because some somebody is going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I find it much easier to do this next category, which is guessing who will get it then who we are actually going to say should get it at the end uh, do you want to do that prediction yeah so i think kevin durant i think that the, the nets are going to be they're going to be firmly in the mix 
and Durant's going to get more of the credit now than before. And he, there isn't any voter fatigue or anything there. And so like, for me, part of it is who do I, I mean, there is health risk there, but it's like, what team do I think, do I feel most confident is going to be in that top tier? Because generally that's the easiest way to get there. And if you need a separator, which player on a team like that is most likely to get the lion's share of the credit? Well, they do have James Harden, who has won an MVP before. Durant is, Durant is like, I mean, one of the best players in the world in a way that Harden at this point is not. Yeah. Now it's worth noting that KD really has not been in the regular season MVP conversation since 2014. He hasn't had a regular season of that magnitude since 2014. Now, again, part of that is because he's played on these star-studded teams a, a fair amount. He's missed basically two and a half seasons where he just didn't play enough. I guess three years he didn't play enough to even be eligible. So while I had KD in number one, this is part of why I don't feel good about it. That's just not the history. It's been seven years since he's put up an MVP caliber regular season. Yeah, that's true. And so then is he is he your pick or is someone else your pick? No, I think actually Embiid would be my pick because I think it's really going to, the narrative aspect of it could play in. I mean, if they have a really good season and it's because of him more so than Ben Simmons, I think people will really end up seizing on that quite a bit i would put steph curry number two i think lebron is going to be hurt by the perception of playing with russell westbrook whereas i'm kind of viewing it as lebron overcoming the presence of westbrook in some ways and that's why i would have him higher luke obviously is is a huge threat as well i'm you know again whichever of these you make a great point and it's more true for who will get mvp even than who we would pick up whichever of these teams in the west break out you think that you know it could be luca could be curry could be you Jokic again if the Denver really exceeds expectations. All right, uh, next one here, Coach of the Year. Should we just go through some candidates? Sure. Uh, so, how much time do you have? <laughs> I mean, there are there are a lot of them, and so w- generally you fall back on who we think the best coaches are, and so a lot of them, you know, like Nick Nurse is in that for me. But I like to think of Coach of the Year preseason as being who do I think has a hard job to do and has the capability of doing it well, and so that group, so the the kind of five guys that I was thinking of, not all of them have a hard job, but Ty Lue, who is my pick, because just managing without Kawhi. Leonard, the focal point. This is a, a, a yeah. talented roster. This again, this is who we think we are going to pick yes. at the end. Um, right? So, so, so this is. And my my philosophy on this, by the way, is which coach added the most value towards winning regular season basketball yes. games this season. But my list usually on coach of the year is ends up being pretty static. You mm-hmm. know, you don't see your Sam Mitchells in my coach of the year <laughs> rankings <laughs> over the years. So um, yeah, so I'll I'll just run through my five though. So Tyloo, yeah. I I the situation there, and I haven't talked as much about the like I I, I think the Spurs could have a better year than people and that's more the traditional coach of the year thing. But I I think their defense could end up being very good, and and if the offense gets even somewhere close, that's a nice a nice year for Pop. I also think this is going to be his last year. Carlisle in in Indiana this is a, a really good example potentially of the value of of a good head coach, and we could be seeing it on the other side if Dallas takes a step back which is a possibility uh Quinn Snyder just because he's a damn good coach and Nick Nurse yeah I think Quinn Snyder might be my number one uh, again this year if you're talking about it's just who's adding the most value towards winning games in the regular season if I've got the Utah Jazz as the number one seed I don't think that the Utah Jazz have the best talent in the NBA I have them with the best record in the NBA so hard not to have Quinn Snyder there Frank Vogel actually is my number two I think that the Lakers he's got a pretty hard job this year with Westbrook I think that now granted part of that's going to be because of LeBron AD but I think he's going to still manage to cobble together a decent enough defense with some of these worst 
enforce perimeter pieces and so that's that's part of why i have him up there i think he's been very good and then this will make you laugh danny steve kerr is my number three candidate for coach of the year i think that the warriors do have some pretty good upside potential and if they do it it's going to be in part you know management did get him a bunch of pieces that now fit in his system but he's quote unquote chasing wins this year now the opposite of what he virally said last year that pissed off the fan base and if golden state because again you got to kind of project out maybe you're not predicting that this will happen but you see a pretty decent chance of it and i think that he is going to have these pieces that fit in his system and if they can defend as well i, I think that that's a possibility but again uh, this is one of those ones where there are a lot of awesome candidates who else did you consider for this oh uh, so my my list was was lou popovich carlisle snyder nurse yeah and i i've got many others uh, mike budenholzer again i mean we don't know sure. how hard the bucks are going to try but if they get to 60 wins like there's no reason mike budenholzer shouldn't be in there again Ty Lue was on my list as well. I think Doc Rivers was a guy who was pretty high in my regular season coach of the year rankings a year ago. And without Simmons, if they do well, he's someone who certainly should get some credit. Tom Thibodeau is another one too. If the Knicks can build on what they did last year, Monty Williams, another just someone that is, is one of the better coaches in the NBA. You mentioned Nurse, that one too. Two more dark horse guys, Chris Finch and James Borrego. I think Finch, it's possible now with a full year. I just kind of, I'm not predicting that it's going to be him, but just a, I, I, I will say this. I think Chris Finch so might win the award. I, I, I if, yeah. they, if they, they get like the seven seed or the eight seed. Yeah. And Borrego always scotch tapes the defense together one way or another. Who will be the first coach to be fired? I only really had two candidates on this, and then I have a dark horse third candidate. I have four. Okay. Um, my number one is Luke Walton. Walton, you know, the, the the Kings defense was unbelievably terrible last year. They didn't really improve the personnel. And, and the easiest way to game out, like, who's the first coach fired is, where is there a large gap between expected performance by the organization and expected performance by me? And also the the kind of connection, like the, the situation there. So, like, there are... There are a lot of situations this year where I see that that gulf, but it's a coach that like just got hired. So like for example, the Pelicans, I think they're organizationally they think they're going to be a lot better than they are, but they just hired Willie Green. So Willie Green is not going to be the first coach fired. Like that's just it's exceedingly unlikely. So Walton, I don't know that the Kings think they're going to be great, but if things linger, like it's easy to blame him. Um, my number two is more the reason he's number two instead of being high being number one potentially is Billy Donovan because. Donovan is more connected with this front Oh, office. no way. No way. He's got way too much money left on his contract. There's no way the Bulls are going to fire him. In his but second. it's kind of like if things go badly, they have to blame somebody. And I think he's the most likely. Yeah, but I, the, I just don't. Yeah. They are so high on him that they could not. They can't do it. Yeah. There's no way they're going to do it. I, um, I, I, I like Especially a year and a half into his tenure. Like, no, I, I just cannot okay. believe that that would happen. Then my other two are J.B. Bickerstaff and Frank Vogel. And it's the idea that yeah. if things go if things go badly vogel i may actually i'm gonna move i'm gonna move vogel actually up to to third um yeah he he was my dark horse because he only got the one year extension after this year and obviously management uh, has a big heart on for this rock russell westbrook move and hey we just got this amazing player how come you're not you know the vogel is just they didn't if they gave him a two-year extension i wouldn't say him but it does seem like there's a little bit of trepidation well and it's, and it's the question of like who are your allies like how many and lebron has you know has 
definitely if he thinks a coach isn't bringing is it is it helping he has been vocal about that in the past and at times has been correct in the past um and with Bickerstaff it's more I just I just don't think the Cavs are good and I think that that there are a lot of people to blame for that and I don't think JV Bickerstaff is high on my list but I could see ownership listening to Kobe Altman instead of firing Kobe Altman yeah Bickerstaff was number one for me uh the Cavs uh, Fedor pointed this out that they have a really tough schedule to start the year and that's always a, a concern Walton was two Vogel was three and I don't I would be shocked if there were any in-season firings other than those three if if it's anyone other than those three I, I just I couldn't even begin to think of a candidate um just just due to so many new coaches coming in and some of the big contracts that have been given out as well I mean if, if the Bulls were the Knicks and they were just willing to pay coaches to go away okay I, w- I could see Donovan I think they're just it would cause way too much cognitive dissonance there and also they're too cheap the other one I wanted to just I don't know if this is the, his personality but like there I wanted to mention the possibility that he isn't fired but Greg Popovich quits before the end of the year well he's got 25 wins until the all-time wins record he'll he won't be quitting before he gets up but yeah but I mean they're I think they're going to win well more than 25. Yeah, I, I I hope so. I'm more of a Spurs optimist. Not that I think they're going to do better than like the 10 seed, but they, I, I don't know. I just think they'll be okay. Yeah, no, I, I got you. I, I, I completely understand there. Okay, anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets. From there as well, I felt really good about having them be the outfit of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Defensive player of the year. I I would consider that there's kind of a big four at this point to me. Rudy Gobert, Giannis, AD, and Draymond as just the overall best four defensive players in the year uh, 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 in the league. I would put Embiid in maybe a group slightly behind them. So I got Rudy Gobert number one. He was just so far and away the best last year. He stays healthy. I think AD, especially if they're going to play him more at center, maybe that's that's going to wane a little bit. But uh, I think I still expect the Lakers to be pretty good. I think he's going to be a big, big part of that. So he would be number two for me. Embiid number three, Giannis four, and Draymond five. But I could see ways in which any of them would win it, probably other than Giannis. Giannis and Draymond are just a little yeah. bit lower. Than I have Gobert in a tier by himself because also yeah. he's just so valuable for their defense. You know, the idea right. of it being most valuable defender, which some people see it that way, some people do not. And then everybody else is kind of in the same group. So you could see how yeah. it works out. Yeah. And, and for best playoff defender, I would probably have AD, Giannis, and Draymond as the three guys probably as, as the most Agreed. valuable playoff defenders. Um, but other kind of dark horse 
breakout candidates on defense this year Jakob Pertl Clint Capella all these guys have been relatively good Pertl though I think has been below the radar for the national consciousness I don't think Matisse Seibel is going to play enough that's one of my principles is just if you're not good enough to be on the floor at the end of games it's really hard for me to have you in the defensive player of the year or the defensive uh, or the all defense team conversation Robert Williams Ooh. Mitchell Robinson as, as a possibility especially because it looks like uh Noel is going to be out to start the year Kristaps Porzingis I think again this is I don't think he's going to be in the defensive player of the year conversation but just a guy that I think could be just a lot better than they were last year you didn't mention Miles Turner I will mention Miles Turner yeah you I thought he was really good last year though, yeah so I agree that's probably that that's the only reason I didn't mention him um Isaiah Stewart I think could emerge hmm. as like a really good defensive player this year Avicha Zubats Mo Bamba is someone who's looked really good perish the thought in preseason I, I'm going to mention one more perimeter defender I don't think he's going to be in yeah. the defense player of the year conversation but our beloved OG Ananobi he'll come up later um I think DeAndre Ayton is someone who might take a big step forward this year even though I, I, I'm not counting on that but I think he has the potential to and uh Daniel Gafford could be an interesting one he's blocked a ton of shots yeah in a Wizards uniform now he's got to get better at a lot of the other stuff but he has some of the tools Sixth man. This is a weird year because I think there are a couple players that will get because and so this this one it's it's kind of sometimes hard for me. I'm actually better at predicting the vote than I am at predicting my own ballot because oh oh for sure yeah because it's it, this is impossibly difficult. <laughs> it, it, but so not but part, as bad as most improved. But part but of what makes really it hard. difficult this year is that there are a couple players who always it's it's always about where the line is going to end like whether they're going to meet the line who are starting the year with larger roles because of player absences and so my number one is actually Jordan Poole who is going to start the year as a starter but I do not believe will be a starter later on and I think he's going to put up numbers I think he's going to be that but the challenge is I think it's more likely that Jordan Poole wins the award than that we pick him and so maybe my number two should be my number one and that is Larry Nance Jr. Yeah that's an interesting one I he started off he's been a little injured to start the year Richard and I talked about it's not entirely clear how big of a role he's going to play um my criterion for this obviously to be eligible basically is you have to start fewer than half the game and but your production in games that you do start does count so that's kind of the thought on pool he's my number three just that i think he's going to come out and average close to 20 a game and be at least league average efficient and then when clay comes back it, he'll come off the bench and maybe still close games as well big guys never ever win this award unless they're big scorers like montres harrell so some of the biggest crimes over the years like taj gibson in 2014 or thaddeus young to me last year or Iguodala at various moments in time as well yeah yeah he's not a big man but he doesn't really score much um so I'm actually gonna go with Al Horford number one I think I think he's he, gonna start too much that was I I liked I thought I liked that possibility we'll yeah see. well I've I have a bet with Jared Weiss that he and Robert Williams are gonna play fewer than 500 minutes together and maybe he will start if Williams is out or whatever so it, maybe that's the maybe that's the thought Thaddeus Young is still my number two I mean he was my number one last year and he's gonna get plenty of time for this uh, this Spurs team but Again, this is so hard because you're essentially trying, you don't even know who's necessarily going to be eligible, number one. And then number two, you're really splitting hairs between, you know, the 50th and 52nd best player in the league to say who, who's better than who. But here, here are some of the other candidates. Obviously, Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson were in the mix last year as well. Jalen Brunson, I actually picked number three last year. Everyone has completely forgotten about him because he had uh, seven bad games in the playoffs. Montrose Harrell could easily be in this mix uh, again. Uh, Dennis Schroeder could be in this mix again. He's going to come off the bench in Boston. Danilo Gallinari yep. very much could be uh, in this mix uh, as well. If Miles Bridges doesn't start, we could be talking about him. I had Larry Nance Jr. in there as well. Derek Rose 
was someone who played at a six-man-of-the-year level once he started in New York. He's looked solid enough this preseason. Tyler Hero has had a really nice preseason. Nick Batum looks like he's going to come off the bench in L.A. Just a question of whether he plays enough minutes. And Cam Johnson, I could throw into this mix as well. I'll, I'll throw... I assume I missed some people still because, yeah. again, this is just a crazy universe. I'll, I'll throw two more in there, um, and both actually play in the same media market. One is Patty Mills. I, I love Patty Mills. I think that he has a he has a part to play on the Brooklyn Nets. And then the other one, the way I frame this, which is kind of cheating, is Mitchell Robinson slash Nerlens Noel. Like, whichever one, of, <laughs> whichever one of them is eligible for sixth man of the year, I actually think is a pretty decent chance that I will pick them because I, I value what centers can bring that defensive stability they're probably going to play a reasonable number of minutes but i don't know which one of them it's going to be so both of them rookie of the year you want to go first sure so and again, I, that's, what's your? You do you have any criteria? For yeah, I, I do. I think that it's so. I we define this differently, and for me, it's the rookie that kind of helped their teams help their team succeed the most. Like who was the, who played the who made the largest positive contribution to their team in that in this year? And that is not. I I the big difference between us is that I don't consider my feelings on their future potential nearly as much. This leads to like Wolves fans got mad at me about Anthony Edwards last year because he was so horrendous during the first half and. I liked where his season was go, where his career is going, but that mattered to me. So um, my number one is Cade Cunningham. I think that he's going to be damn good. I think that he will be a kind of like a, a reasonable rookie of the year candidate, you know, just a, a talented player. I love his competitiveness defensively. Then I kind of actually did my two and three in a different idea, which is sort of more like how we do crystal ball, which is most likely to win. And so basically it's not necessarily that I think they'll be the second and third best rookies, but the ones that I thought had a reasonable case that they have that kind of a year. And, okay. and so I went with number two was Jalen Suggs, where I think he can contribute. And I probably actually, I'm realizing now I'm going to make this a four player thing. Cause I realized I my, my number two should actually, if I'm going with that logic should be Jalen green. Cause he's just, because yeah, he's just so. more talented. So Jalen green, Jalen Suggs, and then Josh Giddy, who I still have seen relatively little of, cause I didn't watch much of the preseason, but the idea that if he gets the reins a little bit more and if they like, if it works, he could win rookie of the year. Yeah. He's, he's had some impressive moments in preseason. We'll see how, how it goes over the course of, of a of a whole year so as mentioned my criteria largely defaults to just who contributed the most to winning basketball games but i have a pretty significant tiebreaker on just who i think the better overall prospect is we can call that the joel Embiid versus malcolm brogdon corollary you know if you're the i'm not gonna go for the 24 i'll put it this way chris duarte it's maybe possible that chris duarte provides the most value as far as actually winning basketball games this year because Cade or jalen green are just kind of not uh, somewhat negative players and they're just uh, shooting a lot and uh, have big roles but you know the of the year thing uh, to me you just you don't want to pick someone for rookie of the year who's going to end up being like the 150th best player in the NBA. Like, you just that's just a bad look so I, I think th- there's still a component of who i think the best prospect is who's shown themselves to be the best prospect in the season if there is any kind of a, a tiebreaker so kate is number one for me as well uh, between he and jalen green i don't feel particularly sure strongly does seem like there are a lot of mouths to feed in houston maybe less so in detroit kate also is just going to provide a lot more defensive and off ball 
value than Jalen Green is going to. I think he just has a much better chance of being a positive player in his first season. Even if they're kind of have some efficiency struggles, Cade at least can make up for it a little bit in other areas. And then third for me is actually a dark horse candidate. That's Trey Murphy in New Orleans. Really oh, I like really him. like him. Uh, he's been a solid on-ball defender. He's shooting the lights out. Not like the absolute fastest release, but uh, we'll see what ends up happening there. The, maybe the biggest obstacle for him will be playing time because they just have a lot of people there and Willie Green's really going to have to sort through all that. Uh, but uh, obviously Evan, Evan Mobley, a, a big part of that too is just that I don't think Evan Mobley, and I talked about this with some with Bador, is really going to be in the greatest position to succeed on either end and make a difference towards his team winning uh, because he's playing with another traditional big a, a fair amount of the time. I don't think they're really going to run much offense through him. So he might show some flashes to be sure. Uh, Chris Duarte and Davion Mitchell got to be on there just because they're both guys who should be ready to to play this time and then i've also got scotty barnes and jalen suggs both those guys have talent they're gonna have chances to succeed i just haven't seen much from suggs i know a lot of people were like really high in the summer league i wasn't as much i'm just i thought he was more impressive defensively than offensively and that's hard to build on as a rookie yeah i would just be very surprised if he's able to find a way to be efficient i think he's going to turn it over a lot i don't think he's a great passer he's six out of 22 in preseason and three games i don't think he's really gonna be able to create efficient shots so i i you would think you would have a big runway but they've got some other guys there like cole anthony rj hampton had a nice preseason so there may be some guys who if he's not ready to really contribute right away could eat into some of his opportunity sophomore of the year i think it's a two horse race between the top two picks in the draft wait no not sorry not two top two picks in the draft the one and three picks in the draft number two (laughs) um i think lamella ball over anthony edwards but it's it's a dead heat for me i would throw halliburton in that mix he's number two for me and edwards is number three i still think that we'll see edwards is gonna have a very flashy season i have liked some of what he's we've seen from him in preseason as far as uh, on the defensive end but and i think any of these guys could be in this mix uh, as well lamello halliburton or edwards the only other that i think deserves some mention here is isaiah stewart could be sure. in, the, in the top three of of sophomores but by the end of the year there's always someone who emerges here guys who had nightmare rookie seasons who who get their feet underneath them i don't unless you unless you object strongly like i don't think predicting most improved player is is as interesting as just talking about our surprise players because that's basically the same thing but yeah so I, the surprise and disappointment sometimes i throw in a little bit more of the surprising to other people sure or disappointing to other people so if you have people you want to talk about for most improved you can do it i i kind yeah, of yeah I, I mean we we have to i realize it's completely impossible but uh number one is going to be john morant i will note that the history of this award which i'm kind of playing into is it's guys who improve at least to like a near all-star level if you go back and look at the history it's all guys who at least have been gotten from outside the all-star conversation to into the all-star conversation or already were kind of fringe all-stars and then got to be you know close to the uh you know all nba or mvp conversation so john Morant's my number one ogn and number two jordan pool number three but there are a billion candidates here obviously um but yeah i mean you can throw in some of yours here if, if you'd like yeah so you brought up some of the big ones for me um I, I go into a couple of different a couple of different camps with surprise players and most improved um one of them is like players that i think are better than other people so like robert williams is in that camp for me yeah he was on my list also um malik monk is kind of in that situation as well we'll see where things fit in he's doing yeah with- i don't think he's gonna play enough um I haven't seen him at all in the preseason, but I, I continue to like Jaden McDaniels, and I think he'll have an opportunity. So I wanted to mention him.
Cam Dinwiddie's Spencer Dinwiddie's in that camp where it's like I, I don't think that people appreciated what he was before he got hurt so if he's you know has yeah. a pretty solid year that could be there um Daniel Gafford I, I continue to like him Nick Claxton sort of in the same boat and then a couple of guys who are established but it's been more the like oh yeah that's right they're they're quite good um Paul George like I don't think he's going to win most improved player or anything silly like that but it's like oh yeah he's really really good like that's a that's another kind of group for it and then yeah you're talking really more about surprise players yes. here than, yeah. than guys who could win most improved. Yes. um yeah. and then somebody this is another classification that sometimes happens is like player that we knew was good but just is way better and i'm not saying it's going to happen but the possibility that labello is that where it's just like oh okay yeah. like the he's now an all-star guy like that i think that's a distinct possibility oh yeah i forgot to mention that i generally don't consider second year players same for most improved um, uh, i did, some I other did ones pick though. somebody two years ago so it yes, is a possibility yes. uh but uh, some other ones here Derek white and kelton johnson sure on the spurs White, particularly because he kind of had a, a little bit of a lost year due to injury last year. De'Aaron Fox, Devin Booker also had had did not have that good of a regular season last year. I think he he could take a step forward. OG Ananobi obviously is he's been taking out a little bit more of an offensive role in preseason. That'll be interesting to watch. Oh, I have one more for more for most improved rather than surprise. Kyle Kuzma. Hmm. I think he's going to have an opportunity. Yeah, he will. I, I'm. I just think it's oh, a chance for a big improvement. Oh, I guess he's, he's a second year old. guy, Precious Chua. That, but that's the same kind of yeah. Situation. Um, you know, Mo Bamba, I don't think he'll make, he's not going to be, you know, getting to a near all-star level, but I think he's going to make some major improvements. This one is pretty interesting and he may not even play as many minutes this year, but RJ Barrett is, I've just become a believer. I don't think he's going to be a star necessarily, but I'm just a believer in how much he works. Jaron Jackson Jr. could be one as well. You know, he's one of the five most interesting players of the season. Darius Garland in Cleveland. If they're going to go anywhere, he's going to have to be really good. Kevin Porter Jr. could possibly, you know, he, he was doing stuff by the end of last year, but we'll see what he looks like now with a full year in the organization. So, yeah, obviously a lot of candidates here, but my three again to go over them. John Morant, OG Ananobi, and Jordan Poole. Are my- At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, biggest surprise team. I don't have any clear-cut candidates here. I think either relative to our expectations or other teams. I don't think that there's that there's really that sort of situation. So the four teams I think that are the way I described it is I think they're better than the kind of the overall kind of perception as I see it. And that group in no particular order, the Boston Celtics, the Indiana Pacers, the Toronto Raptors, and the San Antonio Spurs. I don't think of any of them as surprise teams in that in that respect. I I I kind of want to just go with Boston. Like I don't know if people are well yeah if they're like the three seed or the four seed like i don't know i don't think of that as a surprise but maybe yeah i mean i've got them like one win below the team that i have with the the getting the three seed and the four seed so 
you know, I think Golden State is a possibility. I think these guys are going to look really good if healthy. It could all fall down for them, obviously, if, if there are injuries. You know, Philly could be a, a surprise team. They, maybe they just play the way they played last year. Oh, right? and this is That's positive surprise in case anybody is uh, is new to this. Yes, yes. Disappointing is there is a separate, separate one. You know, the Atlanta Hawks. Maybe they just play the way they played in the regular season after McMillan got hurt. You know, that would get them into the mid-fifth, just small incremental steps forward from some of their young guys as well. Maybe the Dallas Mavericks, because they played, they basically won at like a 55-win pace once everyone got healthy last year. Um, Somebody in the West, I think, is going to get close to 60 wins. I'm not sure who that is. Utah would be my best bet for that. But uh, And in the East, probably as well. That's just the history that you just get that kind of distribution. So it's really difficult to see. I don't don't have a great candidate here. Um, um, biggest year-to-year wins improvement. The Toronto Raptors. The Raptors last year went 27 and 45. And I think they're going to be in the 500 mix. That's a pretty big improvement. Yeah, the Lakers were only 42 and 30 a year ago. Or wait, it might have been more. They were 42 and 30. Yeah, okay. So I I think that they're going to get in the mid 50s. So that's up there. Uh, But other than that, I'm not, I don't see any teams where it's like, I am predicting a huge leap. It's more just, could I see it? So Chicago, despite the fact that uh, they're going to appear in my most disappointing team, likely, I still acknowledge they added a lot of talent that they maybe they'll uh, cobble together the defense and their offense could be really good. And this nice preseason that they've had playing against nobody, it, it will be predictive. Like I acknowledge that possibility. Toronto, again, I think there could be an alchemy with this defense and athleticism that I'm just not giving enough credence to. I think Miami, if they can stay healthy, could look a lot better than uh, they did a year ago. So I wouldn't necessarily bet on any of these teams, but I think there are some teams that have a solid chance of improving, even if I'm not necessarily picking it. Uh, Minnesota could be in this group as well. Sure. I would say. Yeah. I mean, Minnesota went 23 and 49 last year. They could be in the, if they're even close to 500, they're firmly in this mix. Uh, Okay. Biggest surprise player as far as who's going to surprise everyone else. Some of the same names that you had, Spencer Dinwiddie. Trey Murphy is going to be on that list for me. I think he's on mine too. a lot of people don't, don't really think he's that good. Derek White, OG Ananobi, Daniel Gafford is on this list for me. Jordan Poole is on this list as well. Um, I also had a, a small subsection here of the two players who will surprise me slash us. And that's either Josh Giddy or Scotty Barnes. If either of those guys is really good, mm-hmm. then I wasn't high on either of them. So uh, certainly they're going to get a chance to play. So And each of them have had some flash in in the preseason so it's quite possible that i could end up looking wrong on either of those guys a couple others that i want to mention and for me it's more like we'll be talking about them differently i use this terminology on real gm radio like larry nance jr if he's closing games for the blazers that whether that's as the three or sorry at the five or the four that would be really interesting cam reddish has that potential i'm not saying i'm sure it's there and then a lower end guy that you and i both like svi mikhailu I think there's a chance that he ends up being like a valued rotation player for the Raptors. And considering how he basically got cut to the wayside by the Thunder, that would be a pretty surprising development. Most disappointing team. It almost feels like cheating, but the New Orleans Pelicans, like there's just so, as much as I love Zion and I I truly do, there are just so many different ways this can go wrong. I didn't make this prediction in the coach thing, but I kind of wanted to. And so I'm making it here. I think that David Griffin could get fired before any coach. And that would be, you know, that would be, they should have probably fired him in the first place. But the, there's just, there's so many 
things that can, I mean, they, they're trusting a lot in these young guys, and you've seen more than preseason than I have. And I like Trey Murphy a lot, but, you know, Kyra Lewis and Nikhil and all the, Devontae are going to have to do a lot in this early going. Uh, the other two teams I seriously considered have loftier aspirations. And one of them I know you have, which is the Chicago Bulls. And the other one for me, organizationally, is the Miami Heat. Because if the Heat, I talked about how I think I'm lower on their regular season. I agree with you that they're a potentially dangerous playoff team. But I also see a very clear path for them to lose in the first round. And if when you consider what they gave up, when you consider that this is an older team and that really Bam and Hero are the guys that will that we expect the passage of time to help and that they have very little flexibility over the next couple of years. If if they're a one and done team, whatever their seed, this is a really disappointing season for Miami. I would throw the Nets in there, too. Sure. Obviously, you come into the season with Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant. And if they get some injuries or they just lose in in the second round or something like that, it's just and what they gave up to get Harden like the, it could still be an epic implosion I don't think it's going to I think KD and Harden are going to kind of stabilize this group but that's a possibility the Sixers <laughs> that are in there and I think Portland as well oh not yeah that's a good call them in preseason we'll see that they, they still have an explosive enough offense I think the fact that they had that loss to Denver, I, I did still, this is a group that's improved for this year, and I picked them to win a playoff series last year. They're not just, they didn't, obviously, and their defense was so bad, but they do still have a lot of offensive talent on this team. So I, I'm not, I just think, like you said, they have a little disaster potential, the whole Dame thing as well. Biggest year-to-year wins drop, uh, what do you think, OKC? Clippers. <laughs> Did you hear? Do you hear Hollinger has them for 13 wins? Wow. I thought that was, yeah, we had a fun conversation about them uh, on the pod on, on Wednesday. Uh, but it, so I, obviously, this is a little weird. I mean, I think we have to do, you know, what their 82 game pace was from last yeah, of year. Course. So I'm going it, with the, OKC, I'm, go, I'm going with the Clippers. Yeah. I mean, they went 47 and 25 last year. And yeah. that's, you know, 22 games over 500 in a shortened season. I, I think they'll be meaningfully behind that. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I think that that's, uh, I will adopt your pick there. I'm gonna most let you. I'm gonna yeah. let you talk first with most disappointing player. I have. I have like 25 guys written here, just like I did for biggest surprise player. I'm not gonna talk about all of them, but I do want to talk about a couple of them. All right, I'll start with a, a few kind of the lower level guys. Bobby Portis, I think, has become one of the most overrated players in the league. They still did not defend with him on the floor last year. I'm not sure that his crazy shooting from last year is sustainable, although he has proven himself to be a very good shooter. But I think they're gonna be relying a lot on lineups with him as essentially the only big. And I think those lineups are, are going to get completely lit up. Jaron Jackson Jr., this is why he's one of the most interesting players. He could be uh, one of the most surprising players. He could be one of the most disappointing. We just don't really know. He's off to a decent start in the preseason, it looks like. Uh, I think the expectations for Anthony Edwards are crazy high right now. They are. And that that might be getting out a little bit over their skis. Tyrese Maxey is expected to probably be the Sixers starting point guard. Let's see what ends up happening with Simmons. But I, I talked about with this with Bader. It just asking him to give you quality starting point guard play is a big ask considering where he was a year ago. And, and again, keep in mind that this disappointment is more versus a lot of people's expectations for them, not necessarily that I, I have like the highest expectations, which I then think that they won't fulfill, which is kind of a weird thing to say. Reggie Jackson, to me, I think he's going to be solid, but he could also just 
be set up to not be able to even remotely approximate what he did in the playoffs last year and he's really their number two option on this Clippers team Clay Thompson sadly I mean he may just come he's back my, he's and, my number two overall yeah he, he may just come back and not be himself and, and I think there's the legend of Clay Thompson and people just when he's out there they expect him to be Clay and it, it's been 900 well, days and here. here's an extremely important point on that Clay Thompson the last game he played in was was he was 29 years old he's gonna play his next game and almost all likelihood at 31 and turn 32 almost immediately thereafter even if he had stayed 100% healthy and Clay Thompson's game has the potential to age better than vast majority of players is at his you know at his size and his age due to his shooting and everything else we would have still seen a significant downgrade like that you know generally speaking there's there's going to be a step down there and that you know that could be a joke. Now I thought something similar potentially with Kevin Durant didn't happen, but KD is a different level of player than Clay. No, that's um, certainly true. I'll, I'll jump into like there's a I have a category of guys that like I think the team teams so because for me part of the disappointing is organizational, and so it's like teams are expecting a lot from them, and I don't think they can deliver. And like so right. to me that's where Demar Derozan is, where it's like they they want they gave up a lot for him. They think there's a lot there. He's in that group. Lowry Marketing, depending on what the Cavs want from him, could potentially be in that group Eric Bledsoe I just don't think he's I don't think he's particularly good now um Wiggins depending on where what the Warriors need like if Poole really steps up then maybe the Warriors need less from Andrew Wiggins and then the number one here for me as much as I'm intrigued by his potential is actually Kevin Porter Jr and I think that KPJ he's going to be asked to do too much and I think there's a way that we come out of the season thinking he'll be a good player, but also thinking he doesn't fit with Jalen Green. And so what the hell are they going to do with him? Yeah. And his off the court issues, obviously, sure. provide an avenue for disappointment as well. Should that recur? Zion, sadly. Yeah. Uh, it just, if he's, you know, if he, he comes back and he's a planet. Well, and that's that's not too good. Um, Then there's another group for me, which are like, oh, oh. And so the, um, the like, this is a potential tipping point. So it's like, if things don't go well then it becomes a different conversation for me Kristaps Porzingis is there like it if he's not if we get definite evidence that he's not like the second or maybe even the third best player on a title team then Dallas is just thinking about things really differently than they are right now and that's kind of for me the same boat that Brandon Ingram is in where I don't think Ingram's going to be bad this year but if it becomes oh god we can't do this then that becomes a real challenge for them. And then another group is kind of like, it won't take much, but it would be important. And so for me, that's like PJ Tucker and Jay Crowder, where a little bit of a step back is actually really important for their franchises. You mentioned, I actually think Jimmy Butler. Oh, as he's well. my number three. Yeah, both with injuries and he's just so reliant on physicality. You also consider that they gave him this new extension as well that goes out four years after this one. Yeah. He, and as a player option, which eh, could pick up. Yeah. Dennis Schroeder, I could see if he's just, is just some backup guard now, like that could mm -hmm. just be who he is possibly. Uh, Larry Nance is one that I think you and I would both be very disappointed in if it doesn't work sure. out there. I just still am not quite buying the vibes around the team right now that the, that it's going to be as coherent defensively as we would like but I, i'll let you uh give me your number one well, I think i'll do two more person. two more over the skis guys before that uh deandre okay. Ayton and karis lavert where like i i oh yeah Ayton is a good one yeah where it's just like i think i think the expectations on him are unreasonable like the, the thing is though he, he's gonna produce he'll, no, he'll yeah. be like, solid. he's not gonna be a bad player but in terms of yeah. relative to expectations like i mean i like Ayton. i thought he yeah. had a nice play but he got a lot of fortunate matchups and he is you know 
like he he but he'll a lot of the advantages that he has will continue to exist because he's play, still playing alongside Chris Paul. Um but my number one and it's not disappointing to us. It's disappointing organizationally, it's disappointing to everything else and that's Russell Westbrook. He is bolded on my sheet as well as the number one choice. And Westbrook, the idea that in the playoffs, in what actually matters to the Lakers, that I don't think he adds much, and I think he takes a lot away, and, and this will come up in a future category, what it took to get him. That the Lakers gave up some things that I think they will really appreciate in absentia, and that it will be hard to replace. And so instead, and that it's going to be him and the, and this comes up, like you brought up the Jimmy Butler thing where it's like, oh, if it doesn't go well, then you think we just signed this guy to an extension. If it goes poorly with Russell Westbrook, it's going to be hard to unwind that. Even though I, I, you know, uh, I said that last year with the Wizards and then they got out of it looking, smelling like roses. But Westbrook has that player option for next year. And because LeBron James turns 37 this year and the window is probably reasonably narrow so if he lowers their title odds this year then that is makes him the most disappointing player in the league who do you think we're going to be saying is executive of the year uh, at the end so the rubric there at least for for us we this isn't an official award executives vote on this for their peers but the criteria that i am using is which executive improved his team's fortunes the most since last season given the available resources and when i say fortunes that means basically going out into however far into the future as you'd like yep i i think that's and i don't think i think there are more candidates for not executive of the year than there are for executive of the year for me i don't think there's anyone who just really hit a you know hit a couple of home runs yeah. in the same in the same game here yeah i, I mean who are the the off seasons that we like the most like like the whiz and the, i don't um, know like the the knicks were solid yeah, i guess the, the knicks i think i think were one um and then but so for me it was more one that i think did a couple of sm- small things right and didn't do a ton wrong and then the other ones did a couple of big things right and so my the three that i considered my number i guess three was rafael stone they drafted these four rookies we'll see how that works yeah. out and organization gun looks really good yeah and organizationally they're trying to be bad at a time that i think is i don't know relative to this draft class but just there aren't that many teams that are trying to do it and i don't think it's going to hurt jalen green's development any of that stuff so i think that they they were pretty uniform and adding daniel tice didn't do that didn't do too much there and it doesn't impact their win total too much but i like tice number two kevin pritchard he hired the best coach available like that and and if duarte and isaac and and jackson look good then that that looks even better for them their moves on the margins were totally fine and my number one which really surprised me is bob myers yeah he was on my list too i think they they found a better mix now around steve kerr's system it, and obviously we got to see what happens with their draft picks moody looks like he can play kaminga i think isn't going to give them hardly anything this year but you know maybe that maybe those guys will show enough and then just the iguodala bielitsa porter like those looks like pretty good signings to me so and they've just gone all in now on this Draymond green at center small ball and we'll see how that works out but yeah he's a possibility to me i had stone on my list pat riley if this miami thing really works out obviously he could be up there tommy shepherd it's not necessarily gonna show in terms of what happens this year on the floor i don't know if they're gonna be that much better if at all but they're the overall franchise is in a much better place i think brad stevens actually did a lot more than people realize for this celtics team and yeah, that, that's a totally reasonable one they, they've got some pretty good depth they should be pretty good defensively i think this team has some upside particularly it, on the defense and event. unlike last year with with giving tatum the player option the rookie scale extension that signed was robert williams and there's some upside there 
Yeah, Leon Rose maybe is a possibility. Absolutely. And then I have one person who appears in both the executive of the year and not executive of the year, and that's Daryl Morey. It all just depends on what's going to happen here with Ben Simmons. Sure, that's totally reasonable. Um, I think it's more likely than not that he's going to get a crappy return and one and just be forced to take. I mean, we'll see. If Simmons just comes back and plays hard, I think it's actually possible that he just stays on the team all year. If, but we'll see what kind of offers are out there. I, I but we could end up where hey, if he had just taken a you know what we you and I would consider reasonable value for Ben Simmons that they would have had a much better team this year and he doesn't end up getting a better deal at some later point but it it all depends on I mean I think they've done a good job navigating the Simmons thing in part due to some big missteps on the Simmons side we'll see maybe Daryl his you know 15% chance of trading Simmons for Lillard or Beal will work out and they'll feel a lot better any other not executive of the year candidates oh I got plenty oh yeah yeah um so I already mentioned already mentioned that David Griffin is um, that David Griffin is potentially going to be fired for. I don't think he had a like a horrendous you know off season with everything. Especially I liked it, I liked it was a much sound and fury signifying nothing. Sure. Um, but and then um, oh god, I'm going to mispronounce his name again. I'm going to feel badly about it. Um, Arturus Kurnishevis. Uh, yeah. Um, I I think you got it. Yeah, I think that he he bet the farm on something that I don't particularly like. It could work out. I, I'm not, but I also don't the process of it. I also continue to not like where they just gave up all this for a team that doesn't really have the upside of winning a playoff series. Like that would be a surprise for me. Nico Harrison, mostly by, ver- I mean, there are a couple of things here. One of them is hiring Jason Kidd to be your coach. We'll see how that works out. But also they didn't have like a horrendous off season, but we'll see if, you know, if some of these kind of players don't really work out as well. I don't like where Kobe Altman has the Cavs. They're, that's a larger problem than just this year, of course. But my number one, Oh, and I should also mention, I have, you mentioned Pat Riley for executive year. I also think there's a chance it's not executive. I mentioned the Heat as being the, yeah. um, the, the downside potential there. Um, but I have two others I want to mention. One of them who I don't think is getting this kind of acknowledgement, and you could argue that it, it was, that some of it is just because the team fell in the lottery, is Sam Presti. Like, they're just, the, the opportunity of the Thunder having a ton of cap space and doing all stuff like, I don't I haven't loved what I've seen from Trey Mann we'll see with Giddy I mean that's just a huge question mark but like you know I think there's the idea that they had all this spending power and flexibility and they didn't do a whole heck of a lot with it they traded for Kemba Walker and then they he took a buyout but they're still paying him a ton of money just not to be there um but then my number one is the aforementioned Rob Palenka made a big bet on Russell Westbrook I think that's a bad bet and so thus there Kobe Altman could be in this mix for me too with the Jared Allen contract and I'm just I'm worried about this Cavs organization as a steward for the potential oh I, I actually I actually have one more, even though I don't disagree with it as vehemently right now. Masai Ujiri. I mean, Scotty Barnes, not my favorite pick there, but also the idea that he kept things together. Now, maybe the price for Siakam, because he's hurt, and Fred Van Vliet, and maybe Ananobi, and all these guys get strong. Entirely possible. But there's also a distinct possibility that this was towards the high watermark for some of those guys, and that they hold it together for a not-as-good team, and it takes another year, and they have a worse draft pick and everything else so i i think besides the best general manager in the league but i also think this might end up being a year that hurts the franchise yeah we'll see about barnes the trent contract also is one that maybe could get criticized but yeah i think 
Arturis will probably be my pick as of now, but we'll see. All right, that will do it for our annual predictions. Of course, we will hold ourselves accountable at the end of the regular season, go back and look at all this and see all the inevitable areas when we went wrong, but that's what makes this fun. And this is yet another wacky year that I think we have coming up, and it's going to be fun to keep track of all the surprises and disappointments. Talk to you all again soon. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.